It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined for the Jets-Dolphins pregame report by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And, of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So, Chris, a lot of stuff going on off the field. And before we get into the pregame report, let's talk about the latest with Jamal Adams and Adam Gase. From what Jamal Adams himself said, he has spoken to Christopher Johnson, but not to Gase or Douglas. Gase said that Jamal is looking great in practice, but that they haven't spoken, which is really strange. And there's no tension there at all, clearly. Everything's on the up and up. Everything's great, as Jamal's been saying. So, Chris, beyond that, what did Adam Gase and Jamal Adams have to say? Because both of them spoke, and I think Greg Williams had something to say about Jamal Adams as well. Jamal was all over the place again. He's, he said he's he's not mad, he, he's not happy, uh, or he's not unhappy, but he still won't talk to Douglas or Gase. It's, it's still not the time. He did talk to Christopher Johnson, so he essentially went over their heads. Um, he basically sat there and uh, talked about how, you know, he doesn't understand uh, the – he again, he, he showed how extremely online he is because he, he was talking about, uh, you know, the narrative uh, that, you know, he, he said, let listen, bro, let's get something straight because everyone wants to create a narrative. I'm not upset. The reason I'm not talking to Joe Douglas isn't because I'm mad. Well, then why, why aren't you talking to him? If you're not upset, why aren't you talking to them? Uh, everyone else is creating a narrative. No, we're going with the narrative that you gave us. You've been very vocal in, in online and in person. This is the second time this week he spoke. He only usually speaks once a week. You know, he, he's, he said, everybody's calling me a diva. Everybody's calling me everything. That's fine. I've done everything by the book. I've never not played hard, blah, blah, blah. People are saying they're not fans of me anymore. Come on, man. I play a beautiful uh, – he's, he's cons- way too concerned – with what people think uh, outside people. He's the one that's creating the noise, and now he's complaining about outside noise, but that outside noise is all really the noise that he created. Um, now, Adam Gase isn't really helping things uh, by, you know, the, yesterday he was asked about Jamal being a cornerstone of this team to build around. And he basically was like, I don't know. How do you really say that? He's a really good player. He helps us a lot. But I don't really know how you what what to say was build around. Um, 
but this is all on Jamal and how big of a problem going forward this becomes or remains is all up to Jamal. If Jamal can get over it, then everything will be – they'll move on and everything will be fine. And one of the things that uh, working against Jamal here is Le'Veon Bell and Robbie Anderson, of all people. Robbie Anderson's been called immature his entire time here, and he couldn't have handled this any more maturely. Uh, he was literally actually being shopped. Um he was asked the other day about whether he spoke to Adam Gase. And he was, yeah, he's my coach. I, we're at practice. Yeah, I speak to him. Like, so the, the way they're handling it is, and so everybody sees it, is an obviously a uh, stark contrast to Jamal. So it's all just a bad look for Jamal. Jamal's the one that's dragging this out longer. He's the one still refusing to talk to the GM and, and Gase. He's the one that went to talk to the owner. Um, this is this is all on Jamal right now, and how big of a problem this go is going forward is all up to Jamal. And I believe that is pretty much where we're at with Jamal Adams right now, and hopefully we don't have any more updates for the rest of the season. I would like for Jamal Adams to just go out there and play and not give us any more reason to talk about him other than that until the season is over, but let's see how that plays out. Chris, let's get into the injury report. This is something worth talking about. It seems like half the team is on the injury report this week. Here's who's definitely not playing. Josh Bellamy, Tremaine Johnson, which is good because that means he can't give up 1,000 yards. Ryan Khalil, see what I just said about Tremaine Johnson, except substitute give up 1,000 yards with give up 1,000 sacks. Rontez Miles and C.J. Mosley. Neville Hewitt is doubtful, but it's my understanding he's not going to play. Kelvin Beecham is listed as questionable. I'm not sure if he's going to play. Brexton Berrios is questionable. He'll probably play. Chris Herndon is questionable. Sounds like he's not going to play. McClendon and Demarius Thomas, both questionable, but it sounds like they're both going to play. Do I have that right for the most part? Yeah, for the, for the most part, those all those questionables are, you know, it, it does sound like Beecham and Herndon are closer to out than questionable, um, or at least closer to doubtful. Uh, but yeah, th those other guys could go either way as well. Uh, but yeah, overall, th this is a long, long list of players on this injury report. Now, Chris, let's talk about the keys to the game. I'm going to make this really short because we have a bunch of questions and I'd really rather answer those. The Jets and the Dolphins, both terrible so far. They have one win between them. The key to this game for the Jets is simple. Sam Darnold has to play better, and Adam Gase has to coach better. If that happens, then I think the Jets are going to win simply because the Dolphins don't have very many talented players, and many of the ones that they do have probably aren't going to play on Sunday. So if Darnold plays more like he did against the Cowboys, or at least a lot less like he did against the Patriots and the Jaguars, and if Gase can call plays that aren't stale and don't make you scratch your head all day, I think the Jets probably win this one. Yeah, I'll, I'll just throw this in there. Uh, offensive line also needs to block better. And that's probably – that's going to be a little bit on coaching as well. Uh, but they obviously need to block better. Uh, fortunately for them, the Dolphins don't exactly have a ferocious pass rush. Uh, they're definitely not anything like the Patriots defense or the, the Jags front. Um but, yeah, it, this is going to come down to uh, Gase needing to coach better, line needing to block better, and Darnold not uh, throwing too many interceptions. And then, 
you know, you gotta, you gotta hope that it's not one of those rare, uh, uh, those Ryan Fitzpatrick games where he goes for 500 yards and six touchdowns. You hope it's the other one where he throws six interceptions in the first half. It's the Ryan Fitzpatrick revenge game. Feels like we say that every week because he's played for just about every team in the league, so he's trying to get revenge against all of his former employers. Now let's dip into the mailbag. Later on, we're going to hear from Dr. Steven Stoller to talk about the injury report. We'll hear from Ed Valley giving us the weather. My brother Craig will have his gambling picks, but I thought it would be much more prudent to answer some questions than it would be to go into a long, detailed keys to the game breakdown because what we said more or less holds. We could go into a whole detailed thing, but it all boils down to what we said. And this game is between two teams that are so bad. And the fact that the Jets' best player has been involved in so much drama this week, I thought it'd be more fun to answer some questions. I don't know that we're going to get to all of these, but the ones that we don't, we'll probably do a second mailbag at some point next week, and we'll answer them during that time. First question comes in from Jamie Stewart from News 12 Long Island, an Emmy Award winner, by the way. I love it. We're getting Emmy Award winners asking questions in the mailbag. He says, is Christopher Herndon ever going to play this season? I think so, but with each week that goes by, it makes you wonder if something's going on here. Between the Assembly situation, C.J. Mosley situation, uh, uh, this situation, there's, there's some obvious... Uh, medical health concerns with this team um the the herndon thing is is weird like and, and you know obviously coming off the suspension tweaked it it didn't seem like it was going to be a big deal it's been a bigger deal now it sounds like he's not going to play this week i he's getting closer so i so yes but i i'm very non-confident in that yes i can i'm sure you could hear it in my voice but yeah Next question comes in from Gary the NYer. He says, we now know that Seattle has claimed Josh Gordon off waivers, but do you think it was a mistake for the Jets not to do so? I'm torn on this because obviously Josh Gordon is a very talented receiver and he could certainly help Sam Darnold's development. Clearly, they don't need him to come in and help them win games because at this point, that's sort of a lost cause. But he could help Sam Darnold get to that next level because he's really talented, so I could see it from that end. On the other end, he's really, really troubled. I don't know what you could reasonably expect from him because he does this every year where he pops in for a few games and he's gone, then he pops in, then he's gone. And I get it, he's got a lot of problems off the field and he's trying to manage them. If it were me, I probably would just leave football because I don't think I could handle it. But if he wants to try and handle it, that's his business. But I don't think that Josh Gordon coming in here was going to do a lot. I wouldn't have hated it for the reason that I said before, that it would give Darnold somebody talented to throw to. But I don't really see claiming him as being any kind of big deal because of the fact that, as I said, he's not going to be a reliable player. Yeah, I'm a little torn on this too because... Josh Gordon, the football player on the field, the Jets could obviously use him uh, this year and going forward. But what's best for Josh Gordon is not the Jets. Josh Gordon needs like a, a stable situation where there's positivity going around all over the place, and this ain't it. So, and it, and if it's not best for Josh Gordon, then it's not going to be best for the Jets. So, I think that they do every everybody all parties a favor by not. Uh, cl putting a claim on him as much as I do think the football player can actually uh, could help the team but I just don't think this is it, this is the environment to, to put him in 
Um, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm biased. I'm rooting for him, and I hope everything goes well. And and just, I don't think this is a place that would have been best for him at all. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Ryan Sachs. He says, why do I root for this godforsaken franchise? All I can hear in my head right now is that clip of the kid and Big Daddy saying, God damn Jets. Honestly, why do you root for this godforsaken franchise? Probably the same reason I do, because my dad was a Jets fan, and I watched Jets games with him as a little kid, and I went to Jets games with him as a little kid, and I grew up a Jets fan, and it's a habit that I unfortunately can't break, even though, much like smoking, it's a bad habit that I probably should try to break. That's pretty much why I'm a Jets fan, and I don't know you, Ryan, but I'm going to guess that that's probably why you are one, too. Yeah, it's probably that, or at least... uh, you made the decision to become a Jets fan too early in life and you stubbornly held on to it because you figured yeah, you got to you can't be a homer you can't back out now and what the what this all proves is every single person on this planet is a dummy when they're a kid certainly does prove that next question comes in from Michael Parsons from the UK awesome to have some international representation on the podcast he says in the Adams trade story do you think people would have supported Adams if Mike McCagnin was still the general manager or do you still think people would have sided with the general manager this is a very interesting question because People had so much animosity towards Mike McCagnin towards the end of his tenure, and Jamal Adams is so beloved and such a great player that I think it's a lot more likely people would have taken Adams' side because they would have said, see, he wants out because his general manager's so bad, and Adams is a winning player, and he hates to lose, and he just wants to be somewhere where he can win, and he's convinced that with Mac here that there's no chance he'll ever win. So I could see a scenario in which it could have gone that way, I think that Joe Douglas being the one instead makes it harder for Adams because 
there's some optimism around Douglas based on his reputation and based on the fact that he's brand new and he hasn't given Jets fans a reason to distrust him yet. Plus, he's actually done some pretty nice things. The Ryan Khalil move hasn't worked out too well. But when you look at Nate Hairston as an example and Alex Lewis, those were cheap depth moves that have paid off because both guys are starters now. So I think that Joe Douglas being the guy in the seat made it a lot more difficult on Adams to spin this with the Jets and the general manager being the bad guy in the situation than if it was Mike McCagnin. A lot of it because of the ill will that Jets fans had towards Mike McCagnin and a lot of it because of the optimism that they have with Joe Douglas, at least for the time being. Yeah, there's there's no doubt that uh, fans are, are going to be, you know, more willing to back Joe Douglas than they would have been to back McCagnin. Uh, but I don't think that this would have been much different if it was still McCagnin, if if it played out exactly the same way. Because, again, Jamal brought this all on himself. Uh, and if he still acted the same way, I still – I think everyone would have just been like, you know what, get them both out of here. Like, that that's pretty much what it would have been like. Just, just like it was getting towards when, you know uh, – Bowles and McCagnin, one or should they go? And most people kind of got, get them both out of here. I think that's probably more along the line where it would have gone. If Jamal handled everything the same exact way, I don't think people would have been like going out of their way to defend him just because it was McCagnin in charge. I think they, it would have still been the same type of backlash, especially after such a this disappointing season so far. As uh, Jamal's obviously understandably disappointed with how it went, but so are the fans, and the fans don't want to hear anything like this either, and so they're going to react negatively no matter what. Next question comes in from Jim Whiskey Three. He says, "Is it acceptable that I went from being 100% against trading Jamal Adams pre-deadline to where now, after he's acted the way he has the last couple of days, I can no longer stand him and hope that the Jets trade him for a nice haul this spring? He's shown himself to not be a leader. He's a baby. His attitude and his clear get out of town campaign have made me basically hate him." And for the record, he was my favorite player four days ago. While I watched this team's true leader and true president, Le'Veon Bell, and the sun god, Robbie Anderson, act like incredible people and professionals. I understand the emotion. This is just how it's going to be when you see something like this play out in real time. Your emotions are going to get stirred. I asked a poll question the other day, and I was curious what the result would be. I'd love to know what the difference would be if I had asked it a week ago. But the poll question that I asked was, if the Saints had called up on Tuesday afternoon before the deadline and said, we'll give you Marshawn Lattimore straight up for Jamal Adams, would you have done it? And I wasn't sure what to expect results-wise. 35% said yes, 25% said no. A significant portion said maybe, and a significant portion also said if the Saints threw in an extra draft pick. But the amount of people that said yes, as opposed to the amount of people that said no, I'm sure partially at least influenced by what had gone down, was interesting to me. Now, Chris, you and I are going to get ourselves into trouble here, but we'll both admit it, I'm sure. I love Jamal Adams, think he's a great player, but if the Saints called, I don't care if it was four days ago or 40 days ago and said, we'll give you Marshawn Lattimore for Jamal Adams, I would make that deal. And the reason is because Adams may be a better player. I don't think it's by much, but maybe he's a better player. 
But Marshawn Lattimore plays an infinitely more important position. So I think it's one thing to have a great safety and a solid corner. But if you're talking about a great safety and a pretty close to great corner, I'm going to take the corner. And they're both around the same age. The only thing that would have made me hesitate is the injuries, but Lattimore has mostly stayed healthy the last couple of years. So I would have made that deal. So to answer your question, I don't think it's unreasonable to want to trade Jamal Adams, if not for Marshawn Lattimore, then for a bunch of draft picks because we talked about this the other day, Chris. This is the price you pay for having a general manager that for five years couldn't hit on any draft picks at any important positions, and now you have holes to fill at all those key positions. The only way you're going to be able to get long-term solutions is through the draft, and the Jets need as much high-level ammo as they can get. That means first, second, third, even fourth-round picks to a lesser extent. The only player that's on this team right now, when you consider age, contract, and skill level, that's going to be able to get you a haul that would get you a pretty good amount of those is Jamal Adams. So I wouldn't have necessarily been shopping him, but certainly if somebody was offering me the kind of haul that Joe Douglas had mentioned to teams that called and asked, I'd have taken it, and I certainly would take the swap with an excellent young corner like Marshawn Lattimore, although obviously I don't expect the Saints to offer that. It was just a theoretical. Yeah, uh, you you said you would have been curious to see the results before all the that stuff, the stuff happened, and I can tell you right now it would have been ninety nine percent no <laughs> if, if, before the hand, and and it would have been one vote against, and that would have been Kev at, at Clue twenty four. He would have been the only one voting against it. Uh, yeah, he, he would have said go ahead and and do that trade, but uh, everybody else would. But what I'll say is is. If that's how you're feeling, then then it's and then it's fair. Your feelings are your feelings, and if the, if that's what did it and that made you flip, then it's absolutely fair. I'd say the most unfair thing about that is that you were a hundred percent against the idea of trading him, no matter what, uh, before this, because again, he, he's a safety, uh, and he's he's one thing that could really fetch some value outside of Darnold back, and uh, and and you you should be willing to you know. If somebody offers you something crazy, you should be willing to take that. But, you know, your feelings are your feelings and, and it doesn't matter. You can't help how you feel. And if what how Jamal's acted here has turned you off, then that's absolutely fair that you feel that way. I do think that, you know, after he, he's going to play, he'll probably play well. Uh, especially if the Jets can win some more. I think this will die down and go away and and people won't forget about it, but it will be, uh, you know, a side note as long as Jamal doesn't carry it out at further. If Jamal drags this out longer, that's going to be the bigger issue. But if he can get over it and he can put it aside, uh, then then I, I think fans will come back around to him because he's still one of the, the few really good players that you get to actually watch and see on a – uh, every week basis. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or or wherever you get your podcast. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. The next question comes in from me, and it's about the Jets injury report. We already heard who's playing, who's not playing, but 
What is the extent of the injuries? For that, we bring in our medical expert, 35-year orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Steven Stoller. Hey, Doc, what's going on? Hey, Scott. Everything is good except the state of the Jets, but <laughs> I'm ready to talk about their injuries. Let's start with the one that you've been warning about for months, Blake Cashman. You've been saying that you think that there is an underlying injury there that could cause problems. We weren't sure exactly when those problems were going to surface, but now we know Blake Cashman out for the season. So what were you seeing with him, again, just to refresh people's memories, and what is this injury going to do to Blake Cashman? Talk about what the injury is and what the recovery period is going to be like. Well, the, his initial injuries of both shoulders, I have to assume that it was a labral tear. And the labrum uh, connects the ligament to the ball and socket joint from the ball to the socket and attaches to the bone. And so when it's pulled away, it makes the ball of the socket joint more susceptible to slipping out of, partially out of joint which, you know, causes pain and discomfort. So when he had both shoulders um, operated on, and I saw in his college um, highlight films that he's wearing a brace on sometimes his left, sometimes his right, which usually indicates that it's that type of injury. When you repair it, the results are usually very good. However, his right shoulder had to be operated on twice, which I don't know what the second operation was for. But I think I mentioned that when he was drafted, that that would have been a red flag for me. So I know he's out with his shoulder and he has to undergo surgery from what I understand. Um, and in addition, he has a fracture. So if I put all this together, it sounds like when you sometimes when the labrum pulls off the bone, it pulls off the bone separately. Sometimes it pulls off the socket joint with a piece of bone, and that's called a bankard lesion. And usually, when you have a small fragment, it doesn't make much of a difference. You repair the ligament to the remaining portion of the socket and the patient as well. But if it gets up to the point where it's 20% of the surface area of the socket and the socket is shaped um, more like a plate than it is like a cup in the hip joint. So the ligaments and bone surface are going to be more um, significant here than in other joints. So when they said, you know, torn labrum and a fracture, then I have to think that he has a bank heart lesion. And, you know, depending on the size of that fracture will determine, you know, his results. But I have to think that this is, if it's his right shoulder in particular, if it's the third time that he injured it, that there probably is some bony deficiency that needs to be addressed. And that's, it can be done arthroscopically, but it is a complicated procedure, um, and the results are not as good as a simple labral repair. So is this something that could dog him for the rest of his career? Yeah, I think this is, again, uh, depending on the size of the, you know, the fracture, you know, uh, fragment um, will determine, you know, is it, 
you know, will be more difficult to repair and will, um, his results will not be as good. Let's go through the rest of these injuries now, Doc, and we'll start with C.J. Mosley. There was news he's going to be out longer than we suspected. You had said you thought the injury was worse than they originally anticipated. This seems to indicate that. What do we know about this? You know, they're not letting us know much except that it is more uh, significant than they initially uh, described. So, again, I have to think that if it was just his groin alone, that that should be healed and allowed to return to play by this point. So I really have to think that he probably has a sports hernia, um, that they're probably trying to treat um, conservatively. And, and there, you know, again, there are, you know, a lot of uh, NFL players who have had this injury. They've played through it and then had the surgery after the season's over. I think they're probably trying to, make him less symptomatic so he might be able to re, you know return to play um but i wouldn't be surprised at the end of the year um if he had surgery for a sports hernia tremaine johnson what's going on with him um he sprained both his ankles so you know that that, that makes it di- difficult to treat because you know initially you want to keep the patient or the player on uh partial or non-weight bearing. So, you know, unless he's in a wheelchair for the first couple of days, you know, it's impossible to do. So that may slow down his, um, you know, rehab and his uh, healing time um, because he's, you know, he has two ankles to deal with and you're putting full weight on your ankle or foot when you walk. So unless he somehow alternates, you know, with crutches, I don't, I don't know how um, you can expedite that any other way. How about Ryan Khalil? Ryan Khalil, um, you know, he's listed as a knee and elbow, but I thought he also had an injury to his neck. So I think you know you you put all of it together, and that's you know certainly for him difficult to uh, return to play right away. I would assume from one of the snaps that he had that his elbow is probably what's bothering him the most um, because it looked like it was a pretty high snap and, you know, being a veteran uh, like he is, I'm sure that's unusual for him. Rontez Miles. Rontez Miles is a, uh, a neck and a hip. And these neck injuries, you know, unless they're like real structural you know, problems to the cervical spine, um, they'd be out for the year. So most of the injuries are like a whiplash type injury. So if you're contracting the muscles in the back of your neck, then they're shortened and under tension. And if you violently push the head in the opposite direction, you can tear some of the muscle, tendon, and ligaments in the neck. And that becomes quite painful, and the pain results in a neck spasm. I think you know anyone who's had a mild neck spasm knows how painful that can be, and that's basically uh, what happens. And they have to allow the muscle spasm to go away, and it usually won't go away until there's some healing of the muscle, tendon, or ligaments in the neck. 
Neville Hewitt out again. Do we know anything beyond what we knew last week? Uh, no, except, you, you know, he has a neck injury. You know, the knee, they haven't listed anything structural. So, you know, I think the neck is, you know, similar um, to Ronte's mile and um, like a whiplash type injury, which, um, you know, is very painful and can take time for that to heal. Josh Bellamy out again. This seems to be a recurring problem. Can you refresh our memory on what's wrong with him? It's his shoulder. Um, and they listed him as like re-injuring his shoulder. So usually when they re-injure an area, it just means the area wasn't healed enough in the first place. Um, and that's what's probably going on with him. Now, I haven't read any reports that there's anything, you know, structurally wrong. So I don't know if it's like, you know, a, a bursitis or an irritation of the tendon um, that's just causing, you know, inflammation of the joint, um, which is a possibility, but um, we'll have to see if he comes out with any other braces or any MRI reports that surface. Let's talk about the guys that are listed as questionable. Looks like Kelvin Beecham probably not going to play, but it's still up in the air. What's going on with him? Well, we know now that it's a high ankle sprain. And, you know, anytime you have an ankle sprain that, you know, requires um, several weeks of, um, you know, of not being able to participate, um, that's usually what it is. And it's a slow healing and a more severe ligament injury to the ankle because it's the ligament that connects the thin bone to the shin bone. And it actually goes, begins at the ankle and goes all the way up to the knee. So it's, it's a large ligament, a thick ligament. And when that's injured, um, it takes a while for that to heal. Christopher Herndon not going to play again. Do we know anything beyond what we knew last week? Uh, no, just that he has a hamstring injury and, um, you know, they go into all different degrees. I think we were led to believe that it was a, a mild, but it's obviously more significant and is, you know, a, a larger tear than, uh, we had thought. So the larger the tear, the more time it takes for that to fill in with, uh, scar tissue and begin to heal. Sounds like both Braxton Berrios and Demarius Thomas are going to play. What do we know about their injury status? Well, I think Braxton Berrios has had this all season. I mean, I think he's always listed as having a hamstring uh, strain, but he's, I think he's played every game this season, unless I'm mistaken. So I think, you know, that's, you know, I don't think that's much of a factor. And Demarius Thomas? Uh, you know, for the first time, they listed his ankle. And I, I think, as, you know, as I mentioned on previous um, podcasts, that I think it's a result of some imbalance due to his Achilles tendon uh, repair. Um, now he's probably 10 to 11 months postoperatively. But I think that that probably is irritated. And um, I, I can't believe that's been at full strength so i think that's probably when i refer to the ankle probably has something to do with his achilles uh, tendon repair um which causes an, an imbalance um and makes him more susceptible to a hamstring injury last one is steve mcclendon he has a hamstring uh sprain 
or strain, and I don't know um, the degree, so we'll just have to wait and see whether he's listed. If he's listed as questionable, it, it's probably not that severe, um, but that could take you know a week to several weeks for that to heal. You know, for some of these injuries, uh, you know, I, I think I mentioned before that there's conflicting um, literature whether it's successful or not. But I don't see any harm of why they wouldn't be injected with some form of biologic, either stem cells or PRP, to um, enhance the healing potential in these areas, since it's a pretty simple uh, procedure to perform. Um, I don't know if we get them back in a, you know, a week or two. It's not magic. But um, certainly the ones that you think are going to be lingering are more severe that it may uh, reduce the rehab time. Doc, thanks so much for running through all the injuries with me. Appreciate it as always. For those that want to pick your brain, just talk a little Jets football with you. Where can they get a hold of you? Well, before I sign off, I think I I see that Jamal Adams is listed here with a foot. And I think that injury um, relates to the fact that he probably got it stuck in his mouth (laughs) and required a surgical um, excision. But besides that, um, should be an interesting game this week. And um, I thank you for having me on the podcast. If they want to get in touch with me, I'm on Twitter, Stephen Stoller, MD, or on the Aging Athlete. Thanks, Doc. Let's jump back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Shane Corbett. He says, Dan Hansis on the Around the NFL podcast says, things are not good behind the scenes with the Jets coaching staff. Also says, Greg Williams, likely the first to be fired. Any info on this and how come none of the Jets beat is reporting it? I'll let you talk about this, Chris, in a second because it's possible the Jets beat isn't reporting it because it isn't true. I don't know. But as far as the turmoil, the only thing that I know is that I have heard whispers that a lot of the locker room is already out on Adam Gase. I'm sure that with nine games left, there's a way for him to win them back over. But at this moment, from what I understand, a lot of the players not satisfied. And you can understand why. There's a million reasons, including, most importantly, the fact that this team has been a train wreck this entire season with the exception of the Dallas game. As far as Greg Williams being the first one to be fired, it's kind of ironic because I think he's done the best job of all of them. I'm not saying that he's been amazing, but I think considering all the injuries and the lack of talent at certain positions, he's been able to get a decent showing out of this Jets defense most weeks. Not all weeks, but most weeks. Especially when you consider how the offense has done the defense no favors and hung them out to dry in just about every game with the exception of the Dallas game. Maybe there's some turmoil behind the scenes because remember there was that argument between Gase and Williams as far as hiring Greg's son Blake. And you've got the Joe Vitt thing. Supposedly Williams and Vitt put that behind each other. But who really knows once the losing starts All these things start to come to the forefront. So I'm not entirely sure that that's the case as far as Greg Williams would be the first one to be fired. Chris, you can probably illuminate better on that. So I'm going to turn this over to you. What do you know about potential problems with the coaching staff? And is it true that if somebody were to be fired, it would be Greg Williams that would be the first one? Because from what I understand, it would be more likely to be Frank Pollock, but maybe you know something I don't. Yeah, uh, if we're just talking about any of the coaches on the staff, I I just have to go ahead and say that uh, Frank Pollock is got to be the first one on that list. Um, but I could absolutely see Adam Gase uh, firing 
uh, Greg Williams trying to like make him a scapegoat, even though we all can clearly see that the offense is the biggest problem here. And why I don't, I certainly am not going to say Greg Williams has been any type of revelation or great or anything. Uh, the problem hasn't been him in the defense, but there's that there's definitely some level of turmoil between the coaches and this you're they're one in six after having a high you know much higher expectations there's going to be turmoil uh in any coaching staff in that situation uh there's a lot of frustration uh i know that there there's been a couple of things that uh greg williams has done and said where he's kind of rubbed people the wrong way and there's there's been some they haven't really liked the way he's handled some things <clears throat> but if if there was Adam Gase still staying on and Greg Williams getting fired um I would think that's kind of that more than anything else that's more of him just trying to scapegoat him but it, it also wouldn't surprise me at all if we've if we come to learn that they're not getting along at all maybe Greg Williams is you know getting snippy with him because Gase, his offense is putting his defense in bad positions. <clears throat> They're two very volatile people, very loud, outspoken people who aren't going to hold back. So that this marriage was always a little rocky to begin with. You could very easily see it blowing up in their faces. Um, but yeah, if if things continue this way and they only get two, three, four wins, there, there's going to be some heads are going to roll. Somebody's going to have to be a fall guy. Somebody's going to have to take the blame. If it's not Adam Gase, it's probably going to be Frank Pollock. And I wouldn't be shocked if it's Greg Williams too. But uh, right now I'd say if, if Adam Gase is back, Greg Williams is probably going to be back too. Next question comes in from me, and it's about which games to bet on today and on Monday night. And the answer to those questions is going to come from my brother, Craig, who's here to give his weekly gambling tips, which you can then take and cash in over at MyBookie. Use the promo code OVERTIME when you sign up. You will get your first deposit doubled. That's right. They will match your first deposit at MyBookie.ag when you use the promo code OVERTIME. You can bet on the games that Craig is about to give you his picks for. You can bet on prop bets. You can bet on prop bets that are going on during the Jets game. Who's going to throw more touchdowns, Sam Darnold or Ryan Fitzpatrick? Who's going to throw more interceptions, Sam Darnold or Ryan Fitzpatrick? You can bet on whether or not Le'Veon Bell is going to have his first 100-yard rushing game. Whatever your heart desires, you can place that bet over at mybookie.ag. Mybookie, you play, you win, and you get paid. And to get paid this week, I recommend taking the tips of my brother Craig, who joins us again this week to tell you who to bet on. Craig, I know you're a little under the weather, but how you feeling? You coming out of this a little bit? Hey, what's up, Scott? Yeah, it's lost my voice a little bit, coughing and whatever else, but I'm pretty sure I think I'm on my five straight winning weeks over here. At the Packer game last week, the Chiefs let me down from having another perfect week, but still 2-1 and one with the teaser win. Not, not too bad, so looking to uh, have another strong week here. And let's see how you do with your first pick. Who do you like? All right, so my first pick, I like this one a lot. I'm going to go with the Eagles. Minus four at home for Chicago. Eagles coming off a big win at Buffalo last week. Not overly impressed by Buffalo, but, you know, that was a big-time win by the Eagles here. And Chicago, really disappointing loss. Missed a field goal at the end of the game last week. Just 
I don't know. They're very disappointing this year, not too impressed by them. So I'm going to go with the Eagles minus four at home as my first pick. An interesting one. On paper, it looks good because the Bears have struggled quite a bit and the Eagles seem to have gotten things on track. But we're going to find out whether or not that Bills game was a mirage or it was the turning of the corner for the Eagles this Sunday at home against the Chicago Bears. Who do you like for your second pick, Craig? All right, so my second pick, the second straight week. I hope I don't regret it again like I did last week, but I'm going to go against Green Bay again here, which might be a little silly since they only have one loss, but I just got a feeling this week. I like San Diego plus three and a half at home versus Green Bay. I know San Diego struggled. Green Bay's hot. You might say, oh, why, how could you go with San Diego here? Seems like a trap game. I, I, just, I like San Diego at home. I think they're going to win this game outright. I could see this one. Anytime a team travels out to the West Coast, anything can happen. That's the big wild card. Obviously, it's not as far of a trip as it would be for a team here on the East Coast, but still, it's a far enough trip that wild things are known to happen. You've got Phillip Rivers, plus there's that three-and-a-half-point swing there, so they could cover the spread and still lose by a field goal. It's an interesting bet. I'm not sure I agree with it, but I could see the logic in it for sure. Craig, we've now reached that portion of your picks where you're going to pick the Jets and the Dolphins, so I have to remind you, if you're in Miami for this game today and you haven't gotten your tickets yet and you're wondering where the best place to get them is, Go to the Vivid Seats mobile app, download it right now, and you will get up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase when you enter in the promo code OVERTIME at checkout. I cannot emphasize this enough. This is the perfect opportunity for you if you're down there and you're looking to get that last-second ticket right now. And if you're not down there and you want to use this promo code for something else locally, you can certainly do that. You can go to a concert, you can go to a wrestling show, you can go to another sporting event, basketball, hockey, whatever your heart desires, you can get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase when you use the promo code OVERTIME after you download the Vivid Seats mobile app. So, Craig, with all that said, who do you like in this game? So, this game here is basically a battle of the losers, as we've seen Jets 1-6, and six, and I believe Miami 0-7, two of the worst teams in the league. Miami's pitiful. So I'm just going to go with a little bit better of the worst here and take the Jets minus three at Miami. I just think it seems like a good spot for Darnold to bounce back and the Jets have a big, big game. You know, not much pressure. Miami's terrible. I like Darnold to have a big game here. And I, th I think I like the Jets minus three at Miami. I agree with you. I think the Jets are a train wreck right now, but Miami's so bad that I don't think it's going to matter. The Jets could potentially even have problems against the Bengals later in the year because they've made that quarterback switch, and I actually think that with A.J. Green coming back healthy, they could be a threat to a really bad Jets team. Even the Redskins with a new coach, who knows what happens at the quarterback <coughs> position. And Terry McLaren is very explosive, so maybe he gets some plays in there against a really bad Jets cornerback group but against the Dolphins I just can't see it happening so I'm with you on that I think the Jets are going to win this one and cover who do you like for your fourth game Craig my fourth game again I'm going against the top of the, the cream of the crop here and two of my picks so hope I don't regret it but I'm actually going to go do the unthinkable and go against the Patriots Sunday night football I really like this one actually Ravens plus three at home I think this is their time big game you know this is their last – if they want to have a chance at a, the number one seed or – I mean, it looks like New England's probably going to run away with it, but if New England wins this game, the AFC is pretty much a lock for them. So big game for both teams. I really like Baltimore at home. I think crowd will be pumped up. I like Lamar Jackson. I know – listen, I know New England's been great. Their defense is putting up historical numbers. 
But something's just telling me Baltimore at home in this one. I disagree very strongly on this one, Craig. I think the Patriots are going to win by a sizable margin. I'm not saying they're going to blow them out, but certainly more than the three points. But I've been known to be wrong before, and this Ravens team is very tough. It's all going to come down to how Lamar Jackson can deal with whatever Bill Belichick is going to throw at him and what that Patriots defense can do against a quarterback that's a little bit different than the other quarterbacks that they've faced. Obviously, they faced other mobile quarterbacks, especially Josh Allen, but Lamar Jackson is the only one that's been throwing decently and being able to run effectively. So this will be an interesting test case to see if anybody in the AFC has any chance because if the Ravens get beaten up bad by the Patriots at home, that is not going to speak well for the chances of anybody else against the Patriots this season. Now that we've gotten through all of your Sunday picks, Craig, who do you like for tomorrow night's game? So for Monday night, I'm going to stick with the, the New York trend for this week, and I'm going to go with Miami, with, uh, excuse me, not Miami. I'm going to go with the Giants plus seven and a half at home versus the Cowboys. Again, I know the Giants have struggled a lot this year, but Monday night, seven and a half. I think they could keep it respectable, keep it close, and at least cover the spread here versus Dallas. This is an interesting week, Craig, because I've ended up disagreeing with a lot of your picks. I think Dallas is going to blow the Giants out. But then again, I'm not the one that's on a massive winning streak here. You are. So if I were you and I was listening to this, I would take his advice and use his picks to go bet and win a few bucks. Craig, I can tell you're not feeling very well, so why don't you go ahead, give us your teaser, and then we'll talk again next week. All right, sounds good. So I believe I'm 7-1 and one on my teasers this year, which is pretty good. I only lost one week. And uh, all right, so this week, like I've done pretty much every week, I'm going to continue the trend of taking one of my regular picks and add it into my teaser. So this week I'm going to go, again, hope I don't regret this, going against possibly the best team in the NFC. But I'm going to go with the Chargers plus 11 at home against Green Bay. Again, I know Green Bay is a great team. They look great. But I just feel something's telling me something about this game. I think San Diego wins the game outright. Like them plus the 11 for sure. I mean, at home, I see Rivers having a big game. I, 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 I like the Chargers. That's a risky pick because we know how strong that Packers offense has looked for most of the season. Aaron Rodgers is on fire. He's going to be one of the top candidates for MVP. But it's certainly possible that at home, San Diego could keep it reasonably close. Who do you like for the second game in your teaser? The second game, I'm going to well. Not technically one of my picks, but I'm going to go with the Monday night game that I, that you had me pick before, and I'm going to take the Giants plus 14.5 versus Dallas. I know you're not going to like this one. As you said, you think Dallas blows them out, but I don't see it that way. I think Giants play well at home, division game. I don't know if they're going to win the game outright, but I think they'll keep it reasonably close and definitely within the 14.5. So I'm going to go with Giants and Chargers as my two games of my teaser. I certainly don't think it's out of the question that the Giants could cover 14 points at home. I think there's a good chance the Cowboys blow them out, but I could certainly see them covering 14 points. Craig, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Go take some NyQuil and get some bed rest. But before you do, why don't you let everybody know how they can get a hold of you if they want to pick your brain on this stuff, if they want to talk about person of interest, or if they just want to wish you a happy recovery from this bad cold that you have. Well, first of all, I want to let everybody know that tomorrow's my baby shower. So this is the last chance you want to try to send some gifts. Well, not the last chance. You can send them whenever you want. But if anybody wants to send some gifts over, please send them over. <laughs> anyway, uh, my email is cmace86 at com. Craig Mason on Facebook. And, yeah, feel free to message me about poker, sports, whatever you want. I'll be around.
Thanks, Craig. Now let's get back into the mailbag. Chris, let's take one more question. We'll do more later in the week, I promise, because there were so many questions, and I want you to send in more questions on top of it. So we'll do more mailbag stuff later in the week. But for now, we'll end it with Gus Toon, who says, can you please find one positive thing to say about the New York Jets? Is there any at this point? Hopefully, by the time I hear your answer, the positive news is that Adam Gase is gone. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Unfortunately, as far as I'm aware, as we are recording this, Adam Gase is still the head coach of the New York Jets, so I'm sorry to have to disappoint you on that one, Gus. However, I will give you one very positive thing, and that is that Le'Veon Bell is the man. Not only is he an outstanding running back, but boy, has he stepped up as a leader and as an example for that locker room, and he has really won over the Jets fan base. There were people that were lukewarm about him when he got signed because they said, why are they spending all this money on a running back? Or they just felt that he was a malcontent because they believed what they read from the people in Pittsburgh. And now I think that a lot of the people that were initially iffy with Le'Veon Bell have jumped on board. And those of us that pounded the table to get him in the first place are even more entrenched in our position. So there's a positive for you to end the mailbag, Gus. Le'Veon Bell is great. The Jets have him. And at least he's one great player on a team that doesn't have a lot of great players. Yeah, I, I can't give you the uh, the news that Adam Gase has been fired because he has not been fired, and I do not expect him to be fired anytime soon. Again, we've discussed this about uh, where it could go wrong and, and be fired at the end of the season, but I don't have that for you right now. The one bit of good news that I'll give give you, I still believe in Darnold. I, I still believe in, in Sam Darnold. I'm, this These past two weeks really hasn't shaken my belief in him at all. Uh it it's it's I, it's not fair to say it's shaken my belief in the offensive line because I haven't had any much belief in the offensive line, but it's it's the offensive line that's the problem here. And if I I think if you just get a solid a competent offensive line in front of Darnold, Darnold can still be a really good quarterback in this league. Um, I don't. You know, I don't think Darnold's ever going to be in the discussion with Mahomes or even Desha- uh, Deshaun Watson, but I think he'll, he'll be, uh, you know, j- below that in that next tier. I really do still believe that he can get there. They just need a competent line in front of him. Uh, I don't know that they'll be, uh, they won't be, I, I shouldn't even say I don't know, they won't be able to give him that this year. Gase has to do a better job of scheming around that. He's talked about it some this week about getting him to roll out more, getting him on the move. But I, I am still a firm believer in Sam Darnold, and these past two weeks has not shaken that belief at all for me. Chris, all I want is for Sam Darnold to be able to finish the Thursday night game against the Baltimore Ravens, having played a really good game against a good defense, do a post-game interview with Aaron Andrews, and when she asks him how it feels, he said, feels great, baby. That's what I want. Ooh. I want him to be able to have the confidence of Jimmy G. Of course, it's easy to have confidence when you're Jimmy G and you look like him and you're making $25 million a year and your team is 8-0, but I digress. I can still dream about the day that Sam Darnold can be as confident as Jimmy G because right now they're 1-6, the Niners are 8-0. Not as much reason to be confident, but hopefully... My fantasy of him being able to do that after the Ravens game comes true and at least gives us a little something to both be entertained by 
and to use as something to look forward to going into the next year because it's always a positive when you see your own quarterback perform well against an opposing defense that's really good. Chris, thanks so much for joining me for this pregame report, which turned into mostly a mailbag pregame report, but that's okay because there were a lot of questions to answer, and quite frankly, there wasn't a ton to talk about with this game. There is a ton up on your website, JetsInsider.com right now, written by yourself and your deputy editor, the president of the Calvin Anderson Fan Club, Mr. Alan Schechter. What could one find if one were to go over to JetsInsider.com, Chris? Yeah, well... We'll have to see how this game plays out because if this goes bad and the uh, the Jets lose this game, there will be a lot of uh, content about how the Jace's seat has to be warming up so much that it's on fire. If things go good, then we can sit there and uh, you know parse what looked really well while recognizing they were playing the Miami Dolphins uh, and really try to look at what positives we can take from there. Um, so there will be plenty of stuff up there uh, to read in the next few days, and I have uh, you know plenty of content up there for everybody to uh, to sort through. I don't know why I just started struggling there at the end, but I'm tired. It's been a long week. <laughs> it sure has. We close out the show now with our look at the weather, courtesy of our weather expert Ed Valley, my buddy who runs Empire Weather. You can follow him on Twitter at EmpireWX or at Ed Valley, E-D-V-A-L-L-E-E-W-X. Ed, take it away, my man. Thanks, Scott. Meteorologist Ed Valley, Empire Weather here. Another week, another couple opportunities for rain. Uh, I know last week we were in Jacksonville. Unfortunately, things did not go to plan. I wish I could blame it on the weather. I don't think it was, though. (laughs) It looks like, again, here in Florida, the Jets travel to Miami for a matchup against the Dolphins. Uh, I don't know if we want them to win, do we? Uh, But they're there. They're kicking off at 1 o'clock on Sunday. And I'm in Orlando. Again, I mentioned last week I I had the opportunity to go up to Jacksonville, decided against it. Uh, I am doing the same with this disaster here this week. Uh, but weather-wise, not a disaster. One o'clock kickoff. It's been hot down here in Florida. We just had a cold front move through here today, finally. But that front is not making its way to Miami. It's going to be another hot one, humid. A uh, couple showers possible. Not a washout by any means, but temperatures in the mid to upper 80s. It's going to be feeling like the middle of summer if you're traveling to Miami for the game. Sunglasses, light-colored clothing, maybe even a, a, an umbrella because there will be a couple showers around. Typical of Florida weather. Not a washout by any means, but certainly something to at least mention. Elsewhere around the league, not too much going on once again this week. Only two other games on the docket that we actually have any weather concerns about. First one is in Kansas City. The Vikings and the Chiefs. Two very powerful passing offenses, even when Pat Mahomes is not playing. Uh, But that game will have 10 to 20 mile an hour wins, so that could just throw a little bit of the passing game off. But other than that, the only other game around, we got the Redskins playing in Buffalo. That's a 1 o'clock start. A couple showers possible with that matchup as well. Um, But really, that's all we got this week. So hopefully the Jets can turn things around, but do we really want them to? I'm not really sure. I'll let Scott handle that. Thanks again, Scott, and go Jets. 
Thanks, Ed. Great job as always. Also, thanks again to Chris, my brother Craig, and Dr. Steven Stoller for all being a part of the pregame report. I'll be back just after midnight with a postgame report with Matt Stiblikowski of NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media. In the meantime, enjoy the game. Let's go Jets. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.